Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Kaching with Jane King podcast. I'm Jane King. We're at the NASDAQ today, which is wonderful to be here recording. Uh, this is a podcast that is by parents and for parents helping us teach our kids and the next generation about money uh, so they don't find themselves in the same mess that we're in. And I'm happy to have Ted Beck, uh, Ted Beck, the uh, CEO of the National Endowment for Financial Education. And I think this is the third time, I think you might be the most common guest on the podcast, Ted. Welcome I don't know if I'd say common guest. I mean, free, I'll, I'll take okay. frequent. I'm not frequent. sure about common. That's a much better term. But it's great to have you back. Oh, it's good and, to be back. Uh, you have been at this job for 13 years. Yes. Is that correct? And you're retiring. At the end of the month. At the end of the month. Um, what are you going to do? Well, uh, there's my children have an over-under bet on how long I'll last. So there's, <laughs> I'm on my third career. There's always the potential for a fourth. Uh, but mainly I get to, uh, after many, many years, spend a lot of time with my wife, yeah, which is going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, at least you have the freedom of choice to make yes. choices, which is like, I think such a key thing in retirement is being able to leave for a little bit, maybe go back, kind of do what you want to do, spend time. So now over those 13 years, what have you seen change in terms of, um, your, the organization and then also just in terms of retirement for Americans? Well, I think that there's a there's a couple of big things that took place, and it's really financial awareness, uh, and really start with the recession. The, the recession was a huge wake up call. It said to everybody, "Let's just remember you're responsible for this." And uh, suddenly, four hundred one ks went down. Uh, the equity in your house went down. Homes went down. I, I I remember people before the financial crisis saying homes will never go down. Oh, I they always remember, go up. I can remember them saying that in the nineteen seventies. Yeah. So guess what? These things happen. So there was a wake-up call, and everybody said, okay, I am – and this is where I think actually media had a huge positive influence because this became a very common topic of discussion. Our, our involvement with media has skyrocketed over the last 13 years because people are looking to media as a, re, a place for answers. Uh, the other thing is it became a national priority. We've had three presidential councils. I was able to sit on all of them, two under President Obama, one under President Bush. And they really started to look at what's the national strategy. Now, this was not how can the government write a check to make this go away. This is what factors can be brought to bear so people are better prepared uh, for their own financial lives. So they're starting to get the idea that it went from, gee, what's the American dream of having a house? 
and actually our, our research tells us this, it's now having enough money to retire. Hmm. So the prioritization changed around and that hasn't gone away. People are still very concerned. They are. And I mean, I think what that financial crisis taught a lot of us was it doesn't always work itself out. Like, I think there was this feeling before then that eh, it'll work out. You know, I'll buy the house and it'll work out and things work out. Sometimes things don't always work out and you have to plan for that. I mean, it was probably a once in a lifetime thing. I don't know. Maybe not. Let's hope. Um, but we all need to be just a little bit more, um, you know, cautious about how we handle money. Well, it's important you mentioned the whole concept of time. I mean, we tell young people time is on your side. If you get started early and you can start putting some money away, guess what? You can be pretty, still be pretty conservative, but accumulate enough to give yourself some security. Mm-hmm. The other end of the time spectrum works against you if you wait too long. The, the idea of having a recovery and being able to build things back can get kind of compressed. Now, luckily, the stock market's done well, so people are feeling a little bit better. People are actually thinking, maybe I can work a little bit longer. Uh, that's a great idea if your employer will allow it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some real challenges in that. Uh, we've done a lot of work about how do you do phased retirement. So it makes sense for both the employee and the employer. There's very little work done on that. How do you kind of cut down your hours and make it so that you can add a couple of years to your work life? That's something we think is really important and needs a lot more research. Now, you mentioned the Presidential Council. So yes. what were some of the conclusions that the, that the council came up with? And are any of those being executed and how? Uh, well, the, the big things that came out of the councils were sort of first identifying what's available. Because uh, there is a lot of good content. There's a lot of good research. Uh, but also who can participate what came out of it, the most important thing is this is a shared responsibility. Uh, the idea of doing a financial education course, which we provide, and just doing that one time, a fire and forget, you know, it's like an inoculation. You never have to worry about it again. Not true. Yeah. So the whole idea is it's a continuous process. It starts very early on with family and then goes into schools and communities. So this shared responsibility was a big theme that came out of the councils. Another big theme that we're very pleased with is the whole idea of let's have serious research and do real evaluation on what we're already doing to make sure it works. Okay. You know, prior to the recession, there was very little evaluation done. Everybody said, hey, I feel good about this. I know I'm doing the right thing, but we really didn't study what works. How much do you have to do for it to stick? You know, a couple of hours on a chat is really not going to do it. you got to have a continuous process. And your needs change through your life. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm 18, I've learned this, I'm good. No, when you're 30, you've got to learn something else. And as you come up to retirement, you need to continue to educate yourself. You don't want to be vulnerable and you want to be informed. So, Ted, as you were just talking, I, I had a thought about data analysis. You're talking about evaluating some of the programs out there. Is there room for um, some a data scientists to really see what is working when it comes to financial education? Is that being used yet? Yes, it is. Uh, not only here, but around the world. And uh, one of the big changes is when when we got in, when I got involved 13 years ago, we really wanted to up the research agenda. There was some good research being done, but it wasn't anywhere where it needs to be. Uh, so some of the best researchers in the world have now been attracted to this field. Suddenly, it's okay to study uh, the, the finances of a family and also looking at different 
uh, ethnic groups and how different people approach money. So th that's really loaned itself to pretty serious research. And if one thing that we need to continue, it's the serious research we now have. That came out of the President's Council. It came out of the work we've been focused on. And it, it, you need to be able to make an argument for people on why you do things and why you should do things differently. Yeah. And without major data sources, they're going to say, gee, that's really nice, but you know, you're just trying to save the world. Prove it to me, especially when you're going to like state government. Yeah. Well, my son is a fifth grader. And so last fall, I just went through the whole middle school touring process, mm -hmm. application process. And we probably went to nine or ten different middle schools. And they all described their curriculum and we toured the building and so forth. Not one of them mentioned anything about financial education. And they always take questions from the audience and you know, I was like, should I even ask? I mean, mm -hmm. should I even ask? Is this going to open a whole can of worms? You know, just going to. Mm -hmm. But I just think, you know, we, they talked about everything else. Um, and there's, you know, a big push for inclusion and things like that, but not anything about financial education. I was just really kind of disappointed that that's not part of a middle school curriculum. It, I agree with you. Uh, it tends to be more of a focus on high school. Uh, that's where most of the state mandates, of which there are about 17 that really reference financial education. Uh, they really focus on that. So you tend to see a little overcrowding in high school programs available. Uh, and middle school, less so. There are a couple of good programs that have been developed. Uh, one out of the University of Cincinnati is a good program. Uh, but those are crosswalk typically into math. And a really interesting sidebar. A hundred years ago, financial education was deeply embedded in middle school and high school arithmetic. We have textbooks from them that are... And that was the greatest generation. Oh, well, and also they were the ones that this was leading into the recession. But the assumption was, okay, you're probably not going to go on beyond this. And you're mainly going to work on your family farm. You might be in a family store. You need to know how to make change. You need to know how to keep a ledger. So if you go back and look at the textbooks, which we have sets of, uh, they're really good. If you just change some of the numbers, you could take the exact same examples and put them in a modern-day math class, and the kids would be just fine. So it's kind of – it's being creative. It's trying to figure out how do you get it into math? How do you get it into uh, an English course about writing a theme about – how do you manage money? How are you going to make sure you're you're protecting yourself? Uh, so it's kind of going back to what we knew 100 years ago, but it has to be consistent. And that's where the school boards and the parents need to speak up. Yeah. Now, you, I remember when we first were introduced, you had written an editorial for the Wall Street Journal, and you recommended, what was it, Hamilton's Book of Math or Arithmetic or no, something? From 1917. From 1917. Yep. So I bought it. You can still buy it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And so I bought it, and I had my kids do some problems in there. And it, it, is, it is, you know, funny because they're like, oh, you have so many bushels of wheat and, you know, and things like that. But, but it's, it's still the basic concept of mm -hmm. kind of just figuring out these things, which is so, so valuable to kids. And that's where parents can really have – you're making it fun. Yeah. And that's what parents need to do. Don't make, it, don't make it a confrontation. Don't make it a lecture. Just make it a conversation, especially as your children get older. It might be your first adult conversation with them. Yeah. Talk about money. And I think – and I've said this before on the podcast. I think one of the key things is just think about it. Do you, do you really want that, you know, five ninety nine extra game piece in your video game? Think about it. And if you still want it in two days, let's talk about it again. And let's see. You know, so I think just that delay gratification is a really important lesson. Oh, I do that with my 30-year-old children. Yeah. So. <laughs> I do that to myself, actually. Do I really own, want they're, this? They're, yeah. they're all gainfully employed. But you really didn't want to do that? No, it's true. We're all, you know, no matter how savvy we are. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to run this study by you. It's from Bankrate. A majority of Americans don't know how much money they need for retirement. And 19 million Americans don't think they will retire at all. So that's... 
kind of sad. I mean, I even you want to, like you're doing, have your choices and be able to retire if you want to or do something part time or follow a hobby or mm-hmm. whatever. So this just, you know, this just demonstrates that people don't really have that freedom. Well, there's a couple of things that are in there. When, when we change to the whole idea of a defined contribution plan uh, instead of a defined benefit plan. So you got a 401k now or some sort of savings mechanism and your employer puts some money into it. Suddenly you've got this big lump sum of money. And you're like, boy, I never thought I'd have $200,000. But then you have to turn that into a retirement paycheck. And that's, that hopefully uh, adds on to what you're getting in Social Security. And we actually have a, a whole website series about how do you build a retirement paycheck uh, at nefi.org. It shows people that you've got to make that stretch for a very long time. Oh, yeah. So don't get enamored by having $200,000, which it's great. You're actually kind of ahead of a lot of people. Uh, interestingly, if you try to do a present value on a, a Social Security check, it's sort of three $350,000 lump sum. Mm-hmm. If you only have two hundred, you're not going to double what you're getting in Social Security. So pay attention to it. And Social Security, I believe this year, tapped into the trust fund for the first time yes. since 1982. So you know, who knows what's going to happen there? I mean, I, I know that there's a really strong effort to keep it around, but who really knows? I mean, you have I'm, your own money, too. See, I'm pretty confident about Social Security because now you may not get as much as you would have under current uh, the way they do the math. We, we may have to change the math. But is it going to go away? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, and it's not just a U.S. problem, but the world is also not prepared for retirement. So there was this quiz um, that was done by, let me just look here, uh, Aegean, am I saying that right? Retirement readiness survey. Um, and it just asked basic financial concepts. And many people failed the quiz, not just in the U.S., but, um, you know, it says like only about, you know, 45 percent of people got things right, just even a few questions. So this is a global issue. Oh, it's a, it's a huge global issue. Now, a couple of data points for you since you asked about data. The PISA, the, the OECD does a study called PISA that, that looks at how prepared 15-year-olds are. And um, we've been very involved with that. And what I found fascinating is when we went around and talked to, at different meetings, uh, over 65 countries have a global strategy, or excuse me, a national strategy for financial education. Over 65 countries. Over 65 okay. countries that are taking, and now some of them are on paper, but some of them are quite serious. So I would put us kind of in the middle of the pack uh, on ours, but th- everybody's trying to figure this out. Now, there's also a study that looks at financial knowledge versus how much your government supports you. So think of a, a country that's got a good social program that has a very high uh, security blanket okay. that you think that's of Scandinavia. That's an interesting study. Yeah. Now, in countries we see typically that companies with low social support systems have pretty high financial education and vice versa. That's because people have to learn. Yeah, they have to learn it. The U.S. is low on both. And so this is one of the reasons we need to make sure that we have a national strategy that we're following through on. If if the support system is only marginally adequate, we need to make sure people have a good knowledge base so they can make up the difference. So low load does not work. In this case, we, we, we need to get it high and, you know, even a better social support system. Okay, so two final questions. Um, so what would you like to see? You've kind of laid the groundwork for this. What would you like to see going forward? Let's say the next two, five, ten years in terms of financial education. Oh, there's several things. Uh, one, we, we can't pull back from where we are. 
So we need to continue to push uh, the whole idea of state standards. Now, what's really good about this, and this is a little bit of a soapbox, but we actually have free curriculum and teacher training that we can make available. Not that I'm not talking about NEFI, I'm talking about the community, that we can make available to anybody in the country who wants it. So the argument that the school board would have, well, we can't afford that, or you know, there's no nothing available, it's available. It's just a question of making it a priority. So trying to embed those things and make sure they're evaluated and the teachers are trained, because you know, a poor teacher, a teacher's not trained to do this, is going to have lower results. So following through on that. Uh, learning from around the world, I think, is a big priority. Uh, I, we sponsor a lot of research projects, and we just finished one that uh, I, uh, probably two-thirds of the people that were awarded the slot to do presentations were not from the U.S. These are universities. Mm -hmm. Best paper was from Peru about teacher education. Other papers were from Germany and Australia. So there's a lot we can learn from around the country. And the other thing is this is a continuous process. So it's not just schools. It's workplace. And when the unemployment rate dropped below about six, suddenly we're getting all these requests from companies about how can we educate our people to keep them employed, reduce stress. So workplace, I think, has big potential. Social services. We do not embed financial education in teaching our social workers. The social workers themselves are trying to change that. The schools of social work are actually trying to embed financial education, and we're funding research on that because we think that's the most vulnerable population. Uh, and then there's another big one that I'm hoping, that, and this is because of the changes in the ABLE Act. People with disabilities couldn't hold a lot of assets. Under the new ABLE Act, they can actually have money they can accumulate. Uh, it used to be to, to get government benefits, you had to have $2,000 or less of assets. Now it's increased. There's about 8 million people who are potentially eligible to have investments accounts who couldn't have them before because of the disability rules. So that's an entire population that we can really focus on educating not only the people who have the disability, but their families who are usually trying to figure out what the support system should be. So, sure. so there's no lots of potential. Uh -huh. and, uh, but it's just a continuation of, and, and these are small steps, pretty simple stuff. We're not trying to teach people how to be, you know, super bond traders or anything like mm -hmm. that. We're just trying to teach them how to safely get to the end of the month and have some money when they're done. So when they hit that, you know, golden watch day, they don't give gold watches anymore, by the way. <laughs> I, I just learned that. Um, but when you hit that, you want to say, gee, I think I can do some things I want to do, and, and it's going to be fun. Yeah, uh, those are great suggestions. So I hope uh, that the country follows through on those. And then finally, so how does the CEO of the National Endowment for Financial Education plan for retirement? Well, uh, I have two golden retrievers that <laughs> keep me very busy. I intend, uh, I've always wanted to build a sailboat, so I'm going to build a sailboat. Uh, my children are having great fun nominating potential jobs. Uh, rodeo Clown was pretty high for a while. Uh, Colorado, is uh, that actually is Big a job. Rodeo, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, I'll, I'll stay involved in education. Uh, I will probably be focusing more on international because that was my first career. Uh, and so there's no way I'm getting away from this. It's way too important. And it's, it's, it's really enjoyable work. You really feel like you're accomplishing Absolutely. something. Absolutely. And you have so much knowledge and networks and contacts that it'd be a shame to not use something with that in your retirement. So Well, we'll see. We'll see if the phone rings. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, it is wonderful to have you back. And we appreciate you being a, a, a frequent guest on the podcast. You've had so much to contribute. So thank you so much. Great. Thanks Best for of luck me. in retirement. And thank you as well for joining us on the Kaching with Jane King podcast, a podcast by parents for parents about money. Have a great day and we'll talk to you next time.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.